one million landmines, and my hovercrafts float right over them. What makes the pre-title to Die Another Day unique? Is it better than the movie itself? Is Bond really Bond-like? Join us as we hover over some of the landmines in this different pre-title sequence. Hi, this is Dan. And Tom. Of SpyMovieNavigator.com and our show, Cracking the Code of Spy Movies. Subscribe to our show right now and you'll be in the know and we will appreciate it. Okay, before we get into this, you know, Dan, I hate this movie. A lot of I people think, hate this movie. <laughs> I, I think that the diamonds embedded in the face and just it, there's so much about ah. this movie I don't like. That said, with one big exception, I'm actually okay with the pre-title sequence. Okay. Just from the time the title start and beyond, I just don't get this movie. <laughs> so if you've heard me badmouth die another day in the past, I'm going to be a little bit more positive about this pre-title sequence because okay, yeah, it's, good. it's decent, but I will not hold back on what I don't like about it. Yeah, that's fine. And, uh, you know, Die Another Day is not as bad as everyone says. And it's, it's got Rosamund Pike. It's got <laughs> Rosamund Pike and uh, Halle Berry. Come on. <laughs> that's good enough for me. And it's got the world's worst plot. <laughs> so let's get to it. The circle opens up onto a beach loaded with Czech hedgehogs. Those are the metal barriers that are meant to stop tanks and armored vehicles and all of that from accessing the beaches from a water attack or a water invasion. Same as we see in Saving Private Ryan and other spy movies as well. Didn't uh, we see those? Weren't those on the beach at Normandy too when we went to Normandy? Some of them were left over yeah. from World War II. So that those are correct. real things they use. They are indeed. So with this opening shot, we know we're in a military zone and probably not in a safe area. And the screen tells us it is Punchong coasts of North Korea. Okay. So now we know where we are. Clearly, it is dark and cloudy. And then we see a water shot, then a surfer, then another riding big curls of waves, and then a third. And they're headed towards the shore. Who are they and what are they doing surfing in the dark? Because <laughs> it looks dark. All right. Armed military guards are patrolling the barbed wire, hedgehog loaded beach. We see the three surfers now on the beach, and one removes his face mask, and it's Bond. Okay. He is in a perilous situation. Now, that right, is good nice movie setup. magic because you know. It was not Pierce Brosnan doing the surfing. <laughs> oh, absolutely not. No, 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 no. Well, I think we'll get into that a bit. So they advance onto the beach with their surfboards, which we discover in a minute are specially equipped. Well, of course uh, they are. Yeah. They're from Q Branch. Yeah. First of all, I was wondering with the water surfing shots, which are obviously taking place early in the morning while it is still dark, I'm wondering if waves at that time of day would be that large. Because really, a lot of times, the best surfing hours are during the morning hours. As sunrise brings an excellent water swell. So waves and winds generally come late at night, though in the evening, is still it's still sometimes good. In Hawaii, this is also true just after sunrise and late evening around sunset. There's good waves. Well, the opening of Die Another Day has Bond and company surfing into the coast of North Korea. 
The surfing scenes were actually shot in Peahi, Maui, in Hawaii. And three top American surfers were used. So you're right. It wasn't Pierce Brosnan. Their names were Laird Hamilton, Dave Kalama, and Derek Derner. Now, of those three, I've heard of Laird Hamilton. Like, that guy's like a god of surfing. And that's no offense to the other two. I just don't know their names. I don't know surfing, and I know that name. So There you go. So it's really good that they got really good surfers to surf on a really tough wave. Yeah. I mean, typical Ian production. Go get the best people you can get for this. That's good. I like it. All right. But let's look at best times to surf off the North Korean coast, because <laughs> that's where this is supposed to be. Sanbong is probably the best surf spot in North Korea. The eastern coast gets regular swells. Now, Die Another Day was released in 2002. But as of 2012, 99% of North Korea's coast is controlled by the military, which is always prepared for a water invasion. So Bon would not fare well there now. (laughs) (laughs) Even though he had to deal with that in the 2002 movie as well. So they'd be be watching who's coming in on a surfboard. (laughs) Yeah, well, they'd be watching the coast. So in general, mornings and evenings are the best times to surf, which is good. And here we see Bond and company surfing maybe an hour or so before sunrise. As far as we can tell, Kuchong is on the east coast of North Korea, where the Sea of Japan provides sizable waves. But those are pretty big waves at that time of day. So there you go. Okay, so let let me take you back to the Hawaii part for a second. Because it's in something that is quite a coincidence to the James Bond world. Peahi is better known by the name Jaws. (laughs) That's what they call it. And it's considered to have some of the biggest waves in the world. One of the other really big spots, Dan, you and I were at when we went to see the Lisbon area for On Her Majesty's Secret Service. And we went up the coast to Nazare. That's another really big wave section. But this sequence here, I just really like it. I know some people don't, but I really like it because these surfers are just really, really good. Yes. The shot and the wave they've got them on, and actually multiple waves, it was multiple takes, but is really done very well. And if you look at the documentary Inside Die Another Day, it talks about them getting out there in the morning and shooting the scene. And to me, this is the best part. This opening here is the best part of Die Another Day. <laughs> Oh, wow. That's I mean, good surfing, surfing dude. Okay, all right. All right. <laughs> Hang 10. <laughs> all right, 10. so they did not film. All right, so we know they didn't film any of the surfing at the North Korean sites, and the actual initial beach scenes when they come ashore was filmed actually in Cadiz or Cadiz. The military presence with the hedgehogs and the pillbox was filmed in England at Holywell Bay in North Cornwell. <laughs> More movie magic. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 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 pretty cool. And also, as you're watching this, the wave sizes and the background scenery change during the course of the shot, which, oh, well, yeah, another continuity issue. A lot of people say you can see a boat was part of the camera crew in this shot. I, I've looked at it uh, 500 times and I have not seen a boat. If anyone has seen a boat in, in these wave shots and the surfing shots, let us know. Yeah, I have not put this I, movie. I have, I have not put this movie on 500 times. To, to carefully <laughs> All right, back to the specially equipped surfboards. These are cool. They open up the surfboards, which contain a lot of the equipment that they'll need. Okay, this was cool because we have not seen this before in 
any spy movies. Yeah, I don't. Or I don't think I had. So that was pretty cool. It was you know surfboard gadget. Open open up the <laughs> surfboard and boom, it's got all this stuff in it. Yeah. Okay, so we see this one guy snipping this wire, and when he does this, this flashing light goes out. So mm-hmm. maybe it's hooked up to the radar dish in front of it. I'm not sure. And then Bond sticks a knife type object into the ground. I, you know, I don't know if it was a knife or it kind of looked like one. Yeah, that's some kind of blade. Yeah, and opens and he opens the handle to release a small upside down umbrella like antenna that has this small red light. Yeah. So there you go. So I'm like, okay, this is cool. You've got a very small little antenna thing or dish on it, really, and but it's really really tiny. Yeah, um, I. You know, hey, Q Branch coming through again with some nice gadgets here. But I, I thought the red light flashed on and then went out. Okay, I was thinking, what? You're going to have this kind of secretive device, secretive device with a light in the dark on a fortified beach in North Korea? Oh, why the light? But they did not show the light going on again. So I'm hoping, <laughs> I'm hoping it was just a signal that it was working, and that's it. <laughs> Even though, yeah, see, I know I, I, say, I didn't shield it, you know, shield it, put your hand over it. <laughs> see, now I didn't think the light went out. I think it's just okay. the angle as that antenna thingy rotated that little the the dish antenna. Okay. And if you finish when it finished the rotation, you could barely see this light. And I yeah. so I think the fact that we it kind of looks like it almost went out, I think really was just the angle of the shot to the i mean because it was a very dim light because like you're saying it's in yeah. the dark you don't want a big bright light hanging up yeah, but you don't want any light in the dark to to uh, to signal hey we're here so i thought that was that was dumb should have covered it <laughs> <laughs> be more spy like for crying out loud yeah. they were in the middle of nowhere yeah except they just walked those guards just walked by them a minute ago yeah yeah so and they got people on towers looking. <laughs> so it could oh, yeah, be easy what to happens, see a, a little red light. With what what's gonna happen next, their position's gonna get identified anyways. Yeah, well, all right. We cut to a helicopter and a passenger inside clutching a silver case. Hmm. They're about to land. Was that signaling device that Bond used with the red light stuck in the ground and all that? Was that the radar they snipped? And, and they were going to have an effect on this helicopter kind of guiding it to where it should land because of their little umbrella type antenna. I, I thought that was okay. And I thought maybe that was what they were doing there. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's what they did because it landed right near them. Right? Yeah. It's, so they said, I think it was, they said, okay, we're cutting the radar. We're making the radar. Now think to land here instead of wherever yeah, the okay. radar thought it should land. Yeah. Cause it landed right near them. And there, the, if you watch the navigational beacon, it shows a yellow line for the current heading at 094. And then okay. there's an orange line that says new heading 075. So okay. that's why I think the antenna was sending a beacon to reroute the helicopter to this new 075 heading as the po- helicopter pilot changes to that new routing. Because again, with the orange line, new heading is 075. Yeah. All right. So that's cool. So that uh, great gadget there. And it seems to have worked. And now kind of like Bond and Goldfinger's pre-title, they remove their wetsuits to reveal that Bond is dressed like the guy exiting the helicopter and the other two are dressed in military garb. So it was like a throwback to the Goldfinger taking off his wetsuit in the pre-title. Sequence. Yeah, they, they do that a few yeah. times throughout the series. And this is one of them. Obviously, he's yeah. not in the tux because he's dressed to look like the guy that is coming off the plane. Yeah, and originally in the Goldfinger one, it was really based on a real a real life event that actually happened in World War II. You can check out our 
podcast episodes on that one with the real world impact of uh, spy movies. All right. Yeah, and and one, one other thing with this is live and let die has a similar thing where he gets out of whatever his thing is. And in this case, he turns his jacket inside out and, and goes mm-hmm. forward. But it's, it's very, very similar type of thing where he's taking off the one set of attire. That's the outside for yeah whatever his stunt was. And then turning into, Hey, look at me. I'm just right. Yeah. So check out our Goldfinger pre-title sequence uh, decoded as well. That's a good one. All right. The guy in the helicopter held at gunpoint now is stunned. Don takes the case from him and his sunglasses. <laughs> hey, it still looks like it's dark out, but the guy, he's had sunglasses on. I don't know. And now Bond took they were in the helicopter. So if the sun was coming out, it might have been lighter up there. Okay, maybe. All right. He's on the ground. Now Bond takes him, smirks a little bit, and puts him on. So, uh, okay, that's cool. Yeah, so Bond is obviously going to impersonate the guy. He's dressed like him. His yeah, hair is styled yeah. almost the same. He's wearing the same mm-hmm. clothes. But the guy was taller than Pierce Brosnan. And they didn't try yeah. to cover this up. I mean, this was Mark Diamond, who was the actor, is just under two inches taller than Brosnan. Yeah. So Brosnan's James Bond impersonating Van Berk here. He's going to be shorter than the guy he's trying to impersonate. So he better hope these guys don't have any information about this Van Berk guy. And you would think they would. Whoever he's supposed to meet may notice that this guy's shorter than he's supposed to be. Because... Mark Diamond's, I mean, at 6'4", he's pretty tall, especially where they yeah. are here in supposedly in North Korea. Yeah, yeah. And there's other there's other issues with the plan, the big plan here. <laughs> so far, the technology has worked. The surfing has worked. <laughs> the radar jamming has worked. Uh, there's some stupid stuff coming up. <laughs> <laughs> they should have anticipated. All right. So the helicopter is back in the air, this time with Bond and crew. And Bond opens the case, and it has six trays full of diamonds. Bond removes his upper tray, and there's room below it. Room enough for two bricks of C4 explosives. And the detonator that Bond takes from his Omega watch. Now, I'm thinking, why is there this false bottom there? Or why why is there this room under there? Maybe they could have had two trays of diamonds in there, or maybe, and but there's only one. But I'm wondering, okay, that's a little weird. And, and the second part is two of those bricks of C4 probably would have not been enough to blow up an entire building and all the surroundings. <laughs> but we'll see later. It doesn't do that. I'm not, I'm not an explosives <laughs> expert because they weren't that very, very big because they had the fit in that case. But the thing to me about that was, okay, so you're putting C4 underneath an extremely high... I mean, that has to be a lot of money with as many diamonds as there were supposedly in this case. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah and yeah. if wherever he's going, they need to see the diamonds, it's going to be random as to which diamonds they pull out. So they all have to be real diamonds. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they, he stole them from the guy. They were real diamonds. Yeah. Right. But you think he would switch? I don't know. It just seems like, okay, you're going to blow up all that much diamond. Well, they didn't care about that. Well, I guess not. <laughs> they wanted to kill Colonel Moon. That's what he was going to try to do. So all the explosives were like, boom, blow them up. Uh, Of course, the plan doesn't always work exactly like Bond thinks, but (laughs) (laughs) we'll see. (laughs) All right. As a pre-title, which is supposed to grab your attention quickly, I think so far, this one succeeds in doing that. And we have not seen much real action yet. Just subtle action. They did a pretty good job, I thought. Yeah, and I totally agree with you. And that's one of the reasons I like this pre-title. It's not all just action. It starts with setting something up 
you're not exactly sure what yeah. you're seeing set up, but they're setting it up and it seems plausible to this point. Yeah, it seems plausible. And really, there hasn't been that much action yet. There will be, of course, the rest of the way. He sets the explosives to active and he puts the diamond tray back in on top to hide the C4 bricks. But we know, as this is early in the pre-title, with him putting that C4 in there, that case is going to explode at some point. Yeah, that's the intent, at least, right? All right, we cut to a ground scene where a military vehicle is driving in a very dark and foreboding place. There is a sign in Korean that I could not figure out how to translate. Okay, wait a second. <laughs> You're the one that usually does the translation. I, I couldn't figure this. One. I did a little bit here. So, the top line was the word "stop" in Korean. Okay. And so, what I did—it's just so you know how I did this. I took the—I took the screenshot and made yeah. that an image for Google Translate. Okay. Google Translate tried to work on this. Now, the hedgehog blockade obscures the other two lines. So I couldn't okay. get a full translation of them other than the word divination that sometimes okay. popped up in the translator. So I'm not sure what that was. All but, right. And again, it was obscured. So there could be a weird translation of it. But the top line definitely said stop. <laughs> All right. Good thing to know. So stop. All right. We're told on the screen that it is Tan Sun Moon's headquarters in the demilitarized zone of North Korea. Yeah, now, you don't want to go there. <laughs> no, you generally want to stay away from that area. Now, we see one of the coolest shots, a man practicing some type of martial arts on a hanging punching bag, and he's punching and kicking it repeatedly. Then he says in Korean, and I like that he says it in Korean, and we have subtitles because it is Korea, and he's in his environment. Open the bag, and a guy falls out of it. Now, in Korean with subtitles, he says, that will teach you to lecture me. So I thought, okay, that's pretty cool. Now, yeah, for when he's kicking, the, he's kicking the bag, he can't hear any grunts, any moans or anything else. But when the guy falls out, I thought I heard a little, oh, oh, oh. but man. It was a soundproof you're kicking bag. Me that hard. <laughs> you're kicking me that hard. I'd be like, okay. Now, I, I really, really like this scene because it tells us an awful lot about the guy. Yes. Tells us about the headquarters and this guy can do whatever he wants and how ruthless he and the environment can be. Now, the yeah. other thing about this is, as he's leaving the room, he says, I need another anger manager. Meaning, <laughs> yeah, right. the anger manager was the guy who lectured him, which is, I think, an anger manager might give you a little bit of a lecture as he or she is trying to tell you what to do. <laughs> and so he just didn't like the lecture that he got from somebody hired to do, and apparently was doing what he was told to do. Yeah, he could use a little anger management, though. I I, I agree. <laughs> and he realizes it. All right, meanwhile, Bond and the helicopter are landing in the middle of this mess. What's he up to? What's going on? We'll find out. All right. They're not hearing here, the, the word stop. <laughs> yeah, here I thought the cinematography was excellent. It is a dreary-looking place with wet, muddy roads and a dark, sinister feeling to it all. Well done, I thought. Just pause and take a look at these scenes when you're watching the pre-title. It really is a dark, foreboding place. Now, the guy who was punching and kicking the bag says, retract the blast doors. And the blast doors open. Okay, this is someone important in a very volatile area. Yeah, now, for me, I, I couldn't stop hearing. Every time I hear, you know, the few times I've watched this, like I watched a couple times before we did this recording, in my head, Open the pod bay doors, hell. <laughs> From 2001, <laughs> a space odyssey. Attract yeah. the blast doors. 
Open the pod bay doors. <laughs> Open the pod bay doors, Hal. I mean, now, <laughs> in this scene, anybody... I'm sorry, Dave, but I can't do yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> anybody who would come back with that line, I'm sorry, Dave, but I can't do that, might be shot where yeah. they're standing. <laughs> so... All right, now, if you like 2001 Space Odyssey, the name Hal came with this idea that A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, A, I, figure it out, H, A, L, the letter before each of IBM. That's it. <laughs> there you go. All right. There's a little tidbit for 2001 A Space Odyssey, one of my all-time favorite movies. All right. Let's get back to this. So Bond gets out of the helicopter, and immediately someone is snapping a picture of him and sends it electronically somewhere, and he introduces himself as Zhao and says Bond is late. Now, Zhao is, as we're going to see, Number one, Zhao is not a Korean name. It's really a Chinese name, I believe. But, hey, you can name your kids anything you want. So I don't have any problem with that. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here's Zhao. I remember Zhao is going to be driving the green Jaguar in Iceland later. Well, Tom and I got to sit in Zhao's green Jaguar because the Ian Fleming Foundation, who seeks out and collects James Bond vehicles used in movies, has that vehicle and we were honored to be invited to one of their work weekends once and work on the cars with them and we got to sit in Zhao's green jack yeah, yeah. absolutely that was cool now also one <laughs> other thing you you mentioned that somebody was snapping a picture of him they were yeah. doing it clandestinely yes so bond slash van Birk had no idea this guy took this picture of him right and so you know he he has no suspicion at all that they are doing anything with the fact that he came off and they may suspect him yeah, I have a lot of problems with this. <laughs> All, right. Yeah. All right, so let, let's get back to the the guy who who, who wanted the new anger management therapist. <laughs> he comes up to him and he says, "Mr. Van Beek, looking forward to this meeting." Me too. This is Mr. Moon. Yeah, now it's out. it's Colonel Moon, right? And remember that Van Beek was the guy who Bond traded places with. That had been played by Mark Diamond. Took the diamonds from. So yeah, these, so the guy they kidnapped, if you will, was Van Birk. Bond is now trading places with him here. Yeah, and here is this trade is going on, trading conflict diamonds from Africa, and which Bond said a few men have the guts to do that since the UN embargo. But here we see into Colonel Moon. He says, I studied at Oxford and Harvard, majored in Western hypocrisy. Oh, that was a great line that sets us up for the rest of the movie, really. This line tells us what the movie is really all about. Western hypocrisy. The East, <laughs> the East versus the West. Yeah. Specifically, the power of North Korea against the West. And that's what this guy's all about. So I thought that was good. That was good. It was a good line. Yeah. And I love I love Bond's comeback to him. Your modest little collection of cars, I would never have guessed. <laughs> it's Western yeah. hypocrisy. <laughs> Yeah, he's got all the cars, including the uh, the Jaguar there. He's got that yeah. green Jaguar, and there's just some other beautiful, absolutely gorgeous cars sitting there. Yeah, yeah, we you see some of the stunning cars there, and, and it's it's pretty cool. And, and the, I, yeah, the I other like thing, that. The other thing with that car, with the green Jaguar being there, Dan, is that yeah. it's here in the movie. They don't do anything with it. It's just sitting in the lot. Yeah. But later in the movie, we see that when sure, Charles yeah, battling yeah, yeah. Bond in Iceland. Yeah, right. And I love that that we see it here 
kind of isolated and doing nothing, it kind of ties things together nicely when we do see it later in Iceland. Well, so and, it's like, oh yeah, we saw the green jaguar before. And remember that. that Zhao doesn't look the same when we see him later. Well, so that jaguar gives kind of slaps us in the face if we don't remember who Zhao was in this pre-title sequence. He's going to look a little different. He's going to look a little different, but that green jaguar is a great way to tie that together. Yes. All right, so Moon says, Show me the diamonds. Sinbad, of course, says, Show me the weapons. Ah, that's what they're trading for. Contraband diamonds for weapons. Okay, now we know what this is all about. And what does Moon want with diamonds? <laughs> Surely he knows they are forever. Oh, God yeah. damn. <laughs> Bring the weapons. Bring the weapons, Zhao says. Okay, now this, right, so. this is cool. When, when, he, when he does this and he says, Bring the weapons, those gates that said yeah. stop they open up and multiple hovercraft come gliding in bond says hiding weapons in the demilitarized zone it's a bit of a minefield out there <laughs> yeah, and moon comes back with america's cultural contribution one million landmines and my hovercrafts float right over them yeah uh, so i was wondering is that really possible because you assume there'd be some kind of pressure from the fans or whatever so can these hovercraft really float over landmines well over water they can is it's very likely that they would be able to do that over land there have been many studies of this and the conclusion is that this might actually possibly work so you say there's it a is. chance it is possible yeah but there are many kinds of mines set off by magnetic impulses or pressure-sensitive mines, etc. So maybe it's possible, but I would not want to be the one driving the hovercraft over a minefield to test this out. <laughs> yeah, and it really is amazing how many landmines get set in a war. I mean, even today with what's going on in Ukraine, landmines are a huge problem. Yeah, they are. So anyway. They always have been. Yeah, and they really have. Now, anyway, the guys on Mythbusters used a smaller hovercraft and it didn't set off any mines. So that was kind yeah, of cool to watch, right? They, they claim that the hovercraft distributed its weight over such a large area and that pressure mines need precise pressure to detonate. Now, there's a YouTube video out on it, and we'll have links on our website in the episode notes pointing you to where that is. And also yeah, remember in Kingsman, the Golden Circle, when Mark Strong's character steps on a landmine. Oh, yeah, Merlin. And that, that's not good. Yeah. Now, in the Mythbusters thing, they were going over mines that detonated when stepped on or driven over in an SUV or truck. The hovercraft in this movie are larger, but again, without knowing the triggering mechanism, we can't be sure if they would pass without incident or not. Yeah, but the thing is, it's possible. And that's all we need to believe for the movie. Actually, yeah, the movie, they do impossible things in the movies anyway, and we go with it. But so, this is one uh, we don't necessarily have to suspend our disbelief. Yeah. What is that again? <laughs> you always said. Suspension of disbelief. Yeah, we yeah. don't have to suspend our disbelief, right? We just no. Let's go with it. Yeah. So this is, with the landmines there, it's really tying an historical event, the real landmines, into the movie with a unique solution that Moon has. So that part was cool, and we hadn't seen this before in any of the spy movies. These scenes for you location hunters were filmed at Ilmore Tank Driving Range in Eldershot, Hampshire, and the extended chase scenes were filmed at Hollywoods in Hampshire and Hockley Common near Elstead in Surrey. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, right. it's it's so cool because they make you make believe you're in, in North Korea and they're filming yeah, they, all this they, stuff they, they, in job. Great Britain. <laughs> yeah. 
All right. And what are these hovercraft carrying? RPGs, flamethrowers, automatic weapons, and enough ammunition to run a small war. All right. Nice. <laughs> so Bond hands over the diamonds, and Zhao and another guy open the case and look at them. Meanwhile, Zhao gets a response on his device about the picture he took of Bond. It was Zhao who took the picture of Bond in the beginning, and now he knows. His name is James Bond, a British assassin. It's James Bond, 007, MI6 assassin. <laughs> That's so, what he knows. So he knows this isn't what? really Van Buren. <laughs> <laughs> what? Up to this point, it seemed like a meticulously planned mission by Bond and the crew. But they could not anticipate someone taking a picture of Bond and being able to identify him. Hey, come on, Q had the identograph in for your eyes only. And that was in 1981. Here we are in 2002, 21 years later. Come on, Bond. I mean, this part really irked me. <laughs> well, and you got this meticulously surfing onto the shore plan. The surfboards, the radar jammer, everything. Yeah. Somebody takes a picture and uploads it. And, he's and uploads it. Oh, it's Bond. Yeah. It's not Van Exactly. <laughs> but wait a minute. We had Bond playing Van Birk, and he had sunglasses on, I thought, when Zhao took that picture. So wouldn't that cast some doubt? I mean, if you don't have the eye area, how accurate are you going to be with that identity? Yeah, there's facial identity and everything else. I mean, even your iPhone, you have glasses on it, it identifies you if you have it identified by face. They should have known. But if They you, should have known. And Dan, today, we're 21 years after this movie was made. There's cameras everywhere. There weren't cameras all over the place back in 2002 when they made no, they should have anticipated that. Hey, it's possible, you know, Bond, someone could take a picture of you and identify you within minutes and know it's you. So, uh, bad play. Wait, who am I? I'm you're sorry. you're saying something bad about this movie. There's a lot bad about it's, this movie. Keep going. It's a bad plan. <laughs> All right. Well, this little uh, oversight is, is definitely a problem for me. So, I, I mean, what was Bond's mission? Not to get the weapons for the diamonds, right? I mean, he didn't really want to do that. But to find out info or destroy something big or kill Moon or whatever. Well, he's got the C4 so, in that case. So obviously he's yeah. expecting to blow he's something up. He's going to blow somebody up and he's thinking maybe it would be it would be uh, Moon who would be looking at the case first. But his guys are looking at it. And so, yeah, of course, now Zhao knows it's Bon, the British assassin, and everybody knows who the hell he is. So the whole mission's screwed up. And it, it gets worse. Moon takes a weapon, a tank buster, to demonstrate to Bond, and bam, there goes the helicopter. How do you propose to kill me now, Mr. Bond? <laughs> the explosives were meant to kill Moon, probably. So now we know, okay, who's got the better of the situation? Moon or Bond? It's not Bond. Well, yeah, I mean, Bond's escape is out, right? The helicopter's blown up. Right? Yeah. But I also like the way, I did like the way they did the, how do you propose to kill me, Mr. Bond? And they cut to Bond and the look on his face with him having the recognition that, oh, shoot, they know I'm not Van Birk. Yeah. Like, what a surprise. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. I, he should not have been surprised. <laughs> All right. Anyway, I mean, and Moon is nowhere near the diamond case. So even if Bond explodes the case, he's not going to kill Moon. He's going to kill his goons or whatever. So, well, that's if the goons look at the thing, they may give the case to Moon and then. 
you blow it up. I, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But I love the scenario here when Moon realizes who he is and he blows the helicopter up and he says, hey, what do you think? How are you going to kill me now? And then he says the bond. It's pathetic that you British still believe you have the right to police the world. A nice slam on the West and on the British. And he says, You will not live to see the day where Korea is ruled by the North. You won't live to see the day where Korea is ruled by the North. And Bond has a great line coming back saying, You and I have something in common. Yeah, that, that really was a very good comeback. It was a great comeback, except that Bond is nowhere in control here. Well, and very often Bond gets into situations where he's not in control and he has to figure how to wrest control from the situation. Yeah. So everything seems to be going Moon's way here, right? He knows he's Bond. He's got the diamonds. Uh, he's not giving up the weapons and whatever. But here comes the wrinkle. <laughs> the general is coming. Hey, who's the general? I have a wrinkle man. in a pre-title. <laughs> who's, who's, the, who's the general? The general. This is Moon's father. The real one in charge, supposedly. The son is undermining him, though by doing this and he's trying to secretly sell these weapons for the diamonds he's on his way to meet with moon the, the general is yeah like, whoa Gen now what? general moon is on his way to meet with colonel moon his son yeah right yep. the general moon meeting with the colonel moon yep. <laughs> now what moon yells get the weapons out of here because he doesn't want the father to see what he's really doing yeah but it, but and there's smoke and stuff coming up already from the shooting oh, yeah. the helicopter right well that was the father said what were the explosions that's why he was asking that right he was asking that and then of course moon says and kill the spy <laughs> <laughs> all right how long does it take to kill a spy you got him right there right just got shoot him, him. <laughs> all right kill the spy kill bond bam ah that's a direct and clear order so wait dan is Finally. bond's gonna die in another pre-title sequence i think he should here i mean <laughs> I mean, lots of weapons are trained on Bond, but none are firing yet. What are they waiting for? <laughs> They're waiting for others to clear the area, maybe, with the hovercraft? I don't I don't know. When it comes to killing Bond, you really should not wait. As I said, just shoot him. <laughs> just shoot him. <laughs> Bond, about to be shot, <laughs> yeah, right, twists the rim of his watch, and bam, the C4 in the diamond case explodes okay now this right. is where i have a big problem with this pre-title right, i told you that i was going to tell you there was something i really hated about it and we're at the point because there's this quick shot of zhao on the ground and he wasn't all that close to the case and he has these diamonds stuck on his face from the explosion yeah and i think there are a few more shots of him in this sequence with diamonds still stuck to his face and we'll later right. see diamonds in his face later in the movie but yeah. what i don't understand is how the diamonds got there because the explosion happened a bit behind him and he didn't turn to the explosion so oh, were they, they magic diamonds ricocheted. did they have boomerang effect they went past him and came back into his face i just <laughs> it, it's just like the, i've watched this you know every time i've watched this i've rewound that section going like how the heck did those diamonds get in his face no, I, I think you're wrong here because if you look, the he's facing one particular direction, and when the explosion takes place, the camera shot changes, and the explosion is to his right, and you see the stuff flying, and it's to the right side of his face, and that's where the diamonds are. So I think you're wrong on that, Tom. I think uh, if you watch it again, 
you're going to see that the diamonds are going into the right side of his face, and that's where the explosion comes from. Yeah, it's, but it's, to me, it's really just an early example of the stuff they appear to get wrong in this absolutely terrible movie. Oh, man. All right. Uh, the diamonds in his face. You'd think eventually you'd have them removed because those would hurt after a while. Yeah, you would you, think, you, yeah. Shave or bump your face or wash your face. Well, there are hurt. some people that put a diamond in there, too, so maybe it's the same, you know, or earring, but yeah. it, this is just all over the face. But it is a nice little gimmick. Yeah, it is. <laughs> right. It it definitely so, is a gimmick or an image for when you see Zhao later, the guy with the diamonds yeah, in his face right. was the guy right. we saw here. And nobody else appeared to have diamonds in their face. Yeah, so we got a nice little diversion with the explosion. So Bond jumps on a hovercraft and things are blowing up all over the place. Again, one guy causing all this chaos. And now they do hit a car, which blows up and flies backwards into a stockpile of barrels, obviously with explosive content in them. Of course, <laughs> you want all of that volatile stuff handy. <laughs> well, yeah, if you're going to need to do a war, you need to have that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> then I think it is more like a pinball game where one exploding <laughs> thing bumps into another exploding thing and that explodes. And then one more thing explodes. It's like, okay. That, it, it reminded me exactly of a pinball game. It's like, oh boy. All right. It's a bit unrealistic, but hey, it's a Bond movie. Now, there's a lot of military firing in Bond. A lot. But they have all gone to the same firing practice ranges and schools that every other Bond villain has gone to. No one can hit Bond. <laughs> Because they are pro they are probably hitting other things that explode. Yeah, it is kind of amazing how all this all this artillery or all this firepower comes down on him. Nobody hits him. Yeah, but Bond's hitting stuff though. Yeah, and that explodes too. So he's good. He's good. Because yes. I'm sure he has a lot of practice shooting from a hovercraft. Got a lot of got a practice. <laughs> they practice shooting on everything. The the British uh, agents, uh, the whole double A double O division. Now we see one of the first hovercraft chase scenes ever in a movie. Bond has control of one, and Colonel Moon is chasing and shooting at him in another. All right. Yeah, now, of course, chase. here, you know, Bond can drive a hovercraft, helicopters, tanks, sure. caterpillar yeah. extraction gear, boats, whatever, all yeah. while he's firing and hitting targets. I mean, he's just remarkable. I mean, he's Bond. That's how good he is and why he always escapes. Well, he almost yeah. always escapes. Almost always. Now, yeah, almost always. Now, one of the cool things about this scene, I mean, the hovercraft scene, I, I kind of think that's a pretty cool chase scene. It and is. in the documentary, again, Inside Die Another Day, they talked about the struggles of filming and driving the hovercraft. They're really difficult to drive in a straight line, and it takes a while to get the hang of driving them. And in fact, if, when you watch this, they kind of slide along the way. And yeah, they do. Kind of, yeah. it's, it's it almost looks to me like a uh, if you're ice skating, your foot goes a little bit off to the side as you're moving. These things kind of turn a little to the sides as they're moving and not going in an exactly straight line. Yeah, yeah, but Bond can drive. Yeah, of course. That, that's of course. yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, during the, ch the the chase here, they pass another sign in Korean, a warning sign maybe that maybe the bridge is out or oh wait 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 wait. Danger, this danger. one says landmines. Landmines. So you okay. can tell that right. both by the picture on the sign and the Korean words. I mean, the picture wait, on the wait, sign. You, sign you, you read Korean, Tom? Well, Google Translate <laughs> does, right? <laughs> so I put All the right. picture of that to Google Translate, and it told me it says landmines. But also, the picture right. you can see depicts a landmine. 
Yeah, I can, I can see that in the picture a little bit. But and really, Bond that's, keeps that's going. really the whole point of this whole thing is that his hovercraft are going to be able to go over these landmines without exploding them. Yeah, yeah. Don't walk on them. Right. All right. Bond keeps going here because one, he has to, and two, he can't read Korean like that. <laughs> All right. So I didn't read it. Google Translate did. <laughs> All right. He he's shooting backwards while wildly driving forwards, hitting landmines that blow up, chasing hovercraft behind him, hitting military personnel on other hovercraft. But wow, no one could hit Bond or even disable his hovercraft. It's amazing. It is amazing. He's a Teflon Bond. <laughs> We've had fights on top of trains. We now have a fight on a hovercraft. Okay. I asked, where are all of his other henchmen and military guys? Where are they all now? No one could shoot anybody or hit anything. It's amazing. All disposed of already? That whole military base? I don't know. Really? Can't anyone just shoot this guy? No. All right. <laughs> yeah, fist fight on a hovercraft. Yeah, That's and, what we got now. And with this, one of the things I really like is, and to me, it was a callback to From Russia with Love. Colonel Moon has a flamethrower. And I actually okay. really like flamethrowers. I think they're they're fantastic for the for these kind yeah. of missions. And we saw one of those in the training facility in the pre-title sequence of From Russia with Love. And True. seeing it here is a callback to, for me, but it's also, it's just a really cool device to be using in this scenario. Yeah, and you don't want to be on the receiving end of it. No, things might get a little warm. <laughs> yeah. All right. Now Bond sees the end is near of the road. Yeah. Yeah, two doorways block further traveling. So Bond... Jams the hovercraft full speed ahead, and Moon is on the back of it. Moon's in the back, and he's sucked in by the fans of these hovercraft. Yeah, yeah, the suction is just to... holding him there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The hovercraft, of course, crashes through the gates and into the water far below with raging waterfalls from all directions. He's falling far, far down, and it looked deadly. He must be dead. Bond, well, at Bond, the last Bond minute, probably went with him, right? I mean, he. Oh, no, 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 no. Bond was cleverer because Bond got off the hovercraft somehow. How? At the last minute, he grabs a bell clanger rope as they pass through this structure. And wow, he swings on the cord and the clanger hits the bell a few times. And we get a little backseat driver moment when Bond safely jumps down and says, <laughs> Saved by the bell. Saved by the bell. Oh, damn. Now, no. was the Bond hitting this thing a for whom the bell tolls? And in this case, it was tolling for Colonel Moon? <laughs> I don't know. But I know in Don't Time to Die, we talked about the yeah. bell. And it's you know, listen to that episode. That's a good one. All right, but now, this Saved by the Bell was a terrible line. <laughs> it really was. But Saved by the Bell was really a a line that comes from the boxing world. When a fighter was not doing well in the fight, when the end of the round came with the clang of a bell, he was saved at least for, for part of another round. So that's where that comes from, saved by the bell, from boxing, the boxing world. So I don't know. It saves Bond here. But the general shows up, and he's looking over the waterfalls, and he's, hey, my son is dead. And he's not happy. No, he's they not take happy Bond away. this. Yeah, they, they take Bond away. We see them water-torturing Bond as the title sequence begins. I guess they hey, they wanted more information from him. I mean, why not? They have him. Yeah. He's killed, quote unquote, the general's son. We know he's not really dead. And maybe the British 00 division has more plans against Moon and North Korea. So that's what he's got. Let's look at some of what is unique about this pre-title. 
first of all, it's a North Korean focus. The hovercraft chase and fight on the hovercraft, never done before in a spy movie or any movie that we can think of. Yep. So that is a first. Actually, there, that's there, there are a few hover chase, hovercraft chases before this, but not done like this, right? And I'm not going to count the gondola ride in Moonraker, oh, no, which, no, no, which no, no, is no. technically a hovercraft, right? But in, no, the, in the 1966 Matt Helm movie, Murderer's Row, there is a fight on a hovercraft, but it doesn't have all of the firepower that we see here, but there is a fight. Okay, all right, yeah, yeah, okay. And That's near the one. end of it, there is a hovercraft chasing, but in this case, it's on water, not land. Now, okay. the interesting part about this is Murderer's Row was produced by Irvin Allen, who turned down taking Ian Fleming's Bond novels to the big screen. So it's, oh, that's okay. just one of those quirky things that happens in this industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also in the 1995 movie starring Jackie Chan called Rumble in the Bronx, there's a hovercraft chasing over both land and sea, including a water skiing Jackie Chan off the back of the hovercraft. Again, not all this firepower, but there is a watercraft chasing. Okay. And in the 1996 movie Chain Reaction, there's a hovercraft being pursued across some ice, an ice lake by a helicopter. So there are hovercraft fights and chases prior to Die Another Day, but nothing that comes close to the scale of what we see here. All right, okay, This uh, so it's not as unique here. The scale maybe is the unique thing here. And combining the, the chasing with the, the with all the firepower, I think is, is new here. Okay, all right. Now here's another unique thing. Bond being captured by the enemy for a long period of time. He gets captured in the first movie, Dr. No, he gets captured in From Russia with Love by Grant for a short while, and in other movies as well, even Goldfinger, Thunderball, You Only Live Twice, Live and Let Die, really in most of the Bond movies, but usually it's for a very short time. Here, he's captured for 14 months, and we see him getting waterboarded, we see him getting beaten, threatened with scorpions, and for now, we know at the end of it, it's 14 months. Yeah, now remember, so this I, is a first for Bond. And remember, I said the pre title, I'm okay with starting with the titles going forward. I'm not. <laughs> the Scorpions, yeah. they don't show up anywhere else in the movie. It's like, why are they in the title sequence? And I think this is unique also because this pre title, because it's the hugest failure Bond has ever had. He is a total bumbling idiot. That's what's the movie. <laughs> Okay. All right. And Bond pretty much plays it like Bond throughout the pre-title sequence, which is kind of cool. Taking Ben Burke's sunglasses was cool and a little smirk he made when he puts them on. He's being calm and cool and, and, and kind of in control mostly, but getting captured, not good. No escape plan. Here, here are some issues that I have here. There seems to have been really no escape plan for Bond, even if he had killed. Well, the, the helicopter was the escape plan and, and, and they blew it up. Yeah, but I mean, because Bond was going to go. Did he think he was going to blow? Did he think he was going to blow up Colonel Moon and then jump in the helicopter and get away with the entire military there with all these weapons? It, it could have been. He thought he was going to leave the case with Moon. Moon would have the case. He'd take off, and as he's leaving, blow it up. Yeah, maybe. Boy, there's a plan that's <laughs> thread thin. It's just, better than this one. You know, <laughs> yeah, there seems to have been none. I don't think he's got a really good plan. It's poor planning, I think, on an MI6's part, or Bond's part, or both. I don't know. Being identified as Bond almost immediately was absolute poor planning, as we mentioned. Tao Sun Moon, Colonel Moon, played by Will Yun Lee, is rather slight of build. Toby Stevens, who plays Gustav Graves, who was Colonel Moon, 
but now is re-engineered. He seems altogether larger in stature and so on, but they're both about the same height, five, eight and a half, Stevens, a five, nine for Lee. So that part is okay, but Lee is definitely slighter build. Maybe during the transformation to Gustav Graves, he gained weight and muscle and mass. Hey, at <laughs> least they got him but, close to the same height, unlike Van Birk and Bond. And they're pretty close in weight, too. They're like 159 pounds versus 172 pounds for Stevens. And they're both described as slim build. So, okay, we may be able to believe this yeah, transformation. The, the transformation but, from Moon to Graves, him bulking mm -hmm. up a bit doesn't seem out of line here, right? He's going to come in with all this bravado and everything. I can totally see him bulking up to become Graves. That didn't surprise me or okay. bother me at all. All right. all right. Okay. So there you go. You like something there. All right. Uh -huh. No, I didn't now say I liked it. This. I said it doesn't bother me. <laughs> okay. So let's summarize all of Bond's accomplishments so far. Wait, in wait. The pre that's going to be a short list, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> he no longer has the diamonds. They blew up all over the place in the explosion, including permanently in the South's face, as we chuckled about earlier. He did not get the weapons, although he probably didn't want the weapons. And he thinks he killed Colonel Moon, which may have been his mission, of course, but we know that this was a failure as well because Colonel Moon is Gustav Graves later. And he got captured and may give up sensitive information and put MI6 in jeopardy. So basically, a complete failure. It was a successful yeah. failure. <laughs> if his mission go was Bond. to fail, he did it. <laughs> yeah, go Bond. He failed with flair. <laughs> all right. We dismantle all of the landmines in the pre-title sequence to die another day. We now have 23 of the 24 pre-titles done for the Ian Productions James Bond movies. So that's a wrap. And if this is a wrap of this episode... When you wrap up watching that pre-title sequence, turn the movie off. The rest of it's not worth it. Oh, <laughs> At least in my right. opinion. This has been Dan. And Tom. Of SpyMovieNavigator.com and our show, Cracking the Code of Spy Movies. Please subscribe to our show wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you spending time with us. 